Father, we thank you once again for this opportunity that you've given to us to come together as your children, to meditate upon your word. Father, even as we study your word right now, as we have prayed already, that you grant us a spirit of wisdom and revelation, that we will know you, that we will understand your ways. Father, that Lord, even as we understand your ways and accept it by faith, you will fill us with your Holy Spirit, that you will wrought righteousness in our lives, in our hearts, and you will cause us to walk in your ways. That's what you promised to us. And I pray, Father, that every study that we undertake, Father, let it have the focus of knowing you more intimately, understanding your ways, and not only knowing and understanding, but believing and obeying what we have heard. Thank you, Father. We praise you. We worship you for this time that we have given to us. Anoint all of us. Speak to all of our hearts. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, Spurgeon made this very powerful statement. He said, it is not the quantity of the word that we hear. It is the quantity of the word that we believe and obey, which will change our lives. We heard on Sunday about hearing. No, it's very important. And we saw that every time hearing takes place, there's an action. Um, if you can, um, look into your Bibles and at Revelation chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. I'll just, it's not related to the message, but just a few words to bring to your attention before I jump into today's word. It says, I, John, both your brother and companion in tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet. I like this word. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard God's voice like a what? A loud voice. The word loud voice is two words, megaphone. That's exactly what it is. In the Greek, megaphone. He heard the voice of God like a megaphone. And the interesting and the most important thing is that he was on this in the spirit, spirit on the Lord's day. You see, one of the things that I've realized over a period of time in my own life is that whenever I come to church, I could come to church as a ritual, like a ritual, not ever expecting to hear from God. Okay, and I can go, I might have heard a good sermon, but I'm not, I possibly haven't heard from God. That is like the, like the irony of all ironies and the paradoxes of all paradoxes that we come to church, we are God's people, and we understand that God is the one who's speaking, but we still haven't heard Him. And it's, it's remarkable that God is, uh, you know, reminding us through this man, he was absolutely all by himself, he didn't have a bunch of believers in the island of Patmos, there was no worship team, to exalt him and exhort, exhort him to worship, uh, to encourage him to worship. There was no fellowship. There's nothing, but he was all by himself on the Lord's day. And I just wonder how he knew it was the Lord's day. That's the remarkable thing for me. You know, in the island of Patmos, all by himself, John, the great apostle, he's in the Lord's day, uh, hearing at the word of God like a trumpet. So one of the things that we constantly keep asking, the why do we give ourselves opportunities to come and uh, meditate upon the word more and more is because 
we want to hear from him exactly there could be one word that lord that will change your life see that is the power of the word of god it, it the why do we hear the word of god because it's got the power to change us even though we, we may not look at it i mean see it tangibly in our lives but it has got the power and the ability to change us that is the reason why we give ourselves more and more opportunities and to gather ourselves more and more even as the dark days approaching to to listen to the to the word of god now that's that's one I want to start with this morning, this evening. And first verse which I want to look at uh, today is found in John's Gospel, chapter 19, verses 14 and 16. This is uh, the Lent season. I didn't, I, I didn't prepare this message with Lent season in mind, but it just happened to be. Okay, Wednesday, uh, we always start on an Ash Wednesday. So we have a Wednesday service. So it's just uh, God's divine appointment. So we have Wednesday service. Okay, it's not that it's a, it's a typical Ash Wednesday sermon. No, no, no. I don't even know why they call it Ash Wednesday. But the quintessence, if you will, of, of, of uh, the, the climax of uh, the Lent is the fact that Jesus is rejected as king. This is what it says in John's Gospel, chapter 19, verses 14 onwards. Now, it was the preparation day of the Passover and about the sixth hour. And he said to the Jews, behold, your king. Jesus, keep those words in your mind. Behold, your king. That will just come back to you again during the course of today's study. But they cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? And the chief priest answered, we have no king but Caesar. Then he delivered him to them, delivered him to them to be crucified. Then they took Jesus and led him away. And we know that story. They crucified him. John's Gospel chapter 18 verse 39 and 40. And this is Pilate's words. But you have a custom that I should release someone to you at the Passover. Do you therefore want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Then they cried, then they all cried again saying, not this man, but Barabbas. And Barabbas was a robber. Away with him. Understand, we don't want him to be king. Barabbas is what? A robber, a thief. A one who consumes everything with violence. Keep that in mind. So this is, this is like rejecting Jesus as king. You know? And what was, what is happening here, if you look at what is happening here in this particular two verses which I've just showed you, is essentially, uh, uh, what do you say, mm, prophecy just fulfilling itself. And it's all been prophesied in the old covenant. And Jesus would be rejected. And if you look at this particular phrase, we don't want him to be our king. We want somebody else to be our king. Is laid out the same attitude is shown to us in the Old Testament. And you know what? Old Testament is essentially a pattern and we learn lessons from there. And I want to look at one passage where this is like almost the parallel of this is, is played, uh, right in front of our eyes in this, in the, in the, in the, in the annals of scripture is found in 1st Samuel chapter 8. And let's read from verse 1 onwards today. 1st Samuel chapter 8 and read from verses 1 onwards. This is verses 1 to 22. I'm going to look at a few lessons that 
what happens when we uh, when when we reject god as king what happens what is it, what it is, what does it essentially mean to uh, reject god as king let's read from verse 1 onwards now it came to pass when samuel was old that he made his sons judges over israel the name of his firstborn was joel and the name of the second was abijah they were judges in beersheba but his sons did not walk in his ways they turned aside after dishonest gain took bribes and perverted justice let me tell you something every generation has to have a personal encounter with jesus we in christendom don't believe in nepotism for for you who do not understand what nepotism means he understands very well that is um, uh, <laughs> the movie maker he understands very well okay nepotism means my father was director my father was hero i become hero and a director okay my father was politician i will also become politician that is nepotism now everything now is remarkable that samuel is a fantastic guy so there's no i mean you don't even have any you don't you can't find any uh, 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 shortcomings in his character is absolutely a straight guy right and then even he forgets this fundamental rule just because you name your son joel means joel means el is yahweh is my god okay joel means abia means yahweh is my father okay two daughters i mean so not two daughters two sons who one is called yahweh is my god the other is called yahweh is my father they never had yahweh as their god money was their god and money was their father it's remarkable so one of the things you need to understand every generation just because for all of us here small children with parents with small children just because we send our children to our church our sunday school even our school doesn't guarantee that they're going to follow god it's it's very 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 important for us to understand this quintessential principle romans chapter 9 look at what it says look at what it says in romans chapter 9 verses 6 onwards but it is not that the word of god has taken no effect for they are not all israel who are of israel nor are all children because they are the seed of abraham but in isaac shall your seed be called so we who is this isaac isaac is jesus as type of jesus over here and he says it is not all children of israel who are the children of israel but in isaac his your seed shall be called now this is an example he's he's taking in uh, the two new testament examples you don't have to turn the other part two new testament uh, old testament examples one is abraham abraham had two sons the first one was ishmael and the second born i mean technically if you will isaac was technically the second born god rejected ishmael and said isaac is your your descendant now look at this and he says isaac is called ishmael is rejected and one might argue that ishmael was rejected because hagar was his mother and isaac was accepted with sarah was his mother now this is this to counter this uh, this this argument you do, you don't have to turn there then the very next argument what paul puts forth is not only so but rebecca having conceived what twins they had the same womb and they had the same father you might argue that ishmael and isaac had two fathers and one one i mean two mothers and one single father but esau and uh, jacob had the same father and the same mother god rejected esau he accepted jacob you see so this is 
got nothing to do. And God has to touch every one of them. It has got nothing to do with our birth. Every generation God has to touch. And that is something which causes fear in my heart all the time. Even if I look, look at my own children, we don't know. We, after all that we do, will they turn out to be God's children? We don't know. We only do it by faith. God has to touch. You know, sometimes, you know, what God does is, we do all that, you know, send them, make them read memory verses, by heart, Ten Commandments, by heart, Psalm 119, everything they have, full of knowledge, and they are not being used by God, and suddenly one, for one person on the street whose father was an unbeliever, his father, mother was an unbeliever, God touches him suddenly, and he is used mightily by God. And you say, Lord, what has happened here? You see, this is not not that we don't, please don't misunderstand that we should, we are supposed to do what we are supposed to do as parents, as godly parents, because to whom much is given, much is required. But having said that, our, our, our objective is always to ensure that we create an environment so for our children to know God, even through our own lives. Okay. And sometimes it is quite possible, uh, it's some, uh, can you just make, make room for, yeah. Sometimes it is quite possible that, uh, that God may not choose our own children and God might choose somebody else. God's choice. God is sovereign. We shut our mouths and we surrender to God's plan. Okay, so that is by free of cost. Okay, that is uh, something which I wanted to just uh, uh, throw it there. Because flesh and blood do not inherit the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God is a kingdom of the spirit. You need to understand that. Okay, just, that's exactly what the, the lesson even Jesus' own mother had to learn. She, she thought because I gave birth to Jesus. Oh, blessed are the breasts that whom, whom you are. No, 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 no. And blessed are those who do the will of God and hear and do the will of God. Your father and your mother are outside. These are my father, these are mother who hear my word and do it. See, complete, total difference. The kingdom of God is an upside down kingdom. And Samuel had to learn that. But having said that, let's move on. First Samuel chapter 8 now was verse 4 onwards. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, this Ramah is his hometown or, yeah, and said to him, look, you're old. Your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king. It's amazing. To judge us like all the nations. Now you should look at the Hebrew. You know? Make us a king like the Goim. You know what Goim means? Gentiles. Now, this is a remarkable. What happened to you Israel? You were supposed to be an example to the Goim. Now you want to be like the Goim. Want make us a king. Make us a king who will, who will judge us to judge us like all the other nations. Now think think about this. What was God's appointed rule over 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 Israel was a judge. Now we'll come to that, and He wanted what a king, right? Now, immediately the next verse says, verse six. But the thing had displeased Samuel when they said, "Give us a king to judge us." Now look at this. What was Samuel getting displeased about? He was not displeased about they have rejected his sons. Okay. That is understandable. You see, you, what displeases you is very important. Okay. What displeases you 
in anybody, in your own life, what displeases you? You get displeased when you reject God and accept something else. See, there's always this flesh is there, no? One of the things you will see in Samuel's life is a man who's completely dead to the flesh in that sense. Here you see that. The king about asking for a king displeased him, not that they rejected his sons. That is, and so what would, what does, what does he do? So Samuel prayed. This is beautiful, right? Samuel had a fantastic discipline of praying. That's what we heard last time. The discipline of studying the scriptures, the discipline of praying. And you know what? Samuel prayed and the Lord spoke. That is his life. Bah, what a life. It's attention for everybody. I mean, it's, it should be, uh, it should be attention for all of us. Lord, let me not stop hearing from you. Because unlike any other religion, our religion, I mean, our, our set of beliefs is based upon a living relationship with God. And if you are not hearing from Him, there's no point. We have come to the end of ourselves and we have to stop what we are doing, just back off and say, Lord, what's going on? Remember, remember, it's incredible, you know, if you don't have to turn there, in 1st Samuel chapter 14, uh, when uh, Saul is uh, uh, pursuing the Philistines and, you know, Jonathan goes and pursues the Philistines and kills a few and Saul says, now no, you go and let's, let's kill all the Philistines and then he does something, he, sa- he says something very interesting, he says, let me inquire of the Lord. So he inquires of the Lord whether to pursue the Philistines or not and what happens? The Lord, the, the Lord does not speak to him and you know immediately what he says, the Lord did not speak to him, who did this? The Lord did not speak to me. You are responsible. Jonathan, who's that, who's that fellow who's responsible in my midst? You see? Incredible. He stopped. He, he should have stopped there and said, Lord, what's going on in my life? What is going? What is hindering my communication with Why am I not able to hear from you? See, we hear life from God. It's a conversation that we need to have and we need to hear. We need to hear from God. God has to speak to us. So what happens? God speaks. I mean, he hears, he prays, God speaks and this is what God has to say. Poignant statement. Look at what it says in chapter, chapter 8 and verse 7. And the Lord said to Samuel, heed the voice of the people, all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me that I should not reign over them. You see, they haven't rejected you. They have rejected me. What have they not rejected? They have not rejected the person over here. They've rejected me. That's the reason why Jesus says in Luke's gospel chapter 10, don't have to turn there. He who does not hear you, does not hear me. He who does not receive you, does not receive the one who, me and therefore the one who sent me. So this is very important for us to understand. We are not looking at the person. We are looking at the message. Okay. What does the king, king children of Israel say or the elders of Israel say? Make us a king like the other Gentiles. What was God's ordained leadership in the, in Israel up till now? Judge. You see? What does God ordained? Deshlavas asks Samuel, you're a nice man. You're getting old. Can you pray that we will have a judge just like you? See that? Turn to, uh, uh, somebody can read, um, Judges chapter 5 verses 1 and 2. Judges chapter 5 verses 1 and 2. So, very powerful verse. Mm-hmm. And Barak. 
Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. On that day saying, when the leaders took the lead in Israel, so willingly bless the Lord. You see that? The leaders took lead in Israel. Who are the leaders over here? The judges. And what did the people do? They willingly offered themselves. So what was God's appointed leadership or rather pattern of leadership was a judge and not a not a king. Like the other nations. Of course, albeit he was preparing a king and actually he was preparing a king, but king in his time, not in their time. We'll talk about that. First Samuel chapter 12, verse 2. This is after Saul is appointed as king. Okay. And verse 2 onwards. And now here is the king. Who is this king? Saul. Walking before you. Okay. So here you have Saul here. Who is Saul? Handsome. Tall. Very good looking man. Extremely well built. Okay. In our terms, well educated. MIT graduate. Tall, handsome, excellent. All credentials of the world. Okay, so whom you can put there, I don't know. <laughs> and then on the other side, look, my sons and I are with you. I have walked before you from my childhood to this day. Next verse. Here I am, witness against me and, the, and before the Lord. And he says so many things. We'll come to that. So I'm here. I'm, I'm what? What was my office? Judge who became a prophet. Oh, he's your king. What do you want? You you rejected me, the God-appointed leadership, and you rejected what? And you accepted, you want this guy who's king. Tall, dark, handsome, whatever. God's order, ordained order, was, was judges. Now, when we say God's ordained order, what does God's ordained order look like? Turn with me to Judges chapter 2. And verse 18 onwards... Okay, this is, uh, let me give you some context. It says, when um, these these guys would just forsake Israel, forsake God and go after the other gods, and they would get messed up. And this is from verse, verse 18 onwards. And when the Lord, what? Raised up for them, what? Judges, the Lord would, the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to pity by the groaning because of those who oppressed them and harassed them. And it came to pass when the judge was dead that they reverted and behaved more corruptly than their fathers by following other gods to serve them and bow down to them. They did not cease from their doings nor from their stubborn way. Now what was God's ordained authority or leadership was a judge. Now what was a judge supposed to do? First thing the judge was supposed to do was to bring deliverance or salvation out of their mess. The first thing, to bring deliverance and salvation from the mess that they were in because of their disobedience. That was the first objective of the judge. So whenever you say judge, you know, you'll have this, uh, you have this stereotype of a judge who's sitting on a throne and he's saying, you condemn, you condemn. No, no, no. The judge was not, God ordained judge was, you know what? Come down. It's like this, no? Sundar Krishna gave this beautiful example. I never forget this, no? He was he was preparing he was preparing for his uh, for his uh, morning sermon on Sunday, okay. And he was getting ready for church. And uh, he had a small daughter. The daughter was two years old, like two or three years old at that time. And he prepared, and you know, he got her dressed up. You know, the family got her dressed up, and they were all getting ready to church. Nice, pretty dress, and and then just before they had to leave, they had to feed her. So they fed her nice milk and everything. And the daughter was sick that day. And after a few minutes, just before they were ready to uh, go to church, immediately the daughter started puking 
And she puked and we vomited everything that she ate. And she spoiled herself completely with all her vomit on her pretty new dress. And she started crying, daddy, 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 and started weeping. You know, you know what immediately uh, Sundar Krishnan did? He first he said, you know what I did? I went down, I was father, you know, I was all dressed up, but I, you know what? I took off my sleeves and I folded my sleeves. I cleaned her up, I removed her clothes, I went to the washroom, gave her a nice hot shower, dressed her up, put her a new dress, put her a new nappy, everything cleaned her up nicely, and then put her in the car. I did not say how many times I told you. See, that's exactly what a judge who's ordained by God does. You make a mess of your life and he comes to you and he says, you know why you're in this mess? He doesn't say that. You know what he does? He cleanses you. He delivers you. He said that's exactly what he told the Pharisees. He says, you Pharisees, on Sabbath day, if your ox or a donkey is fallen into the pit, will you not go and help it? If your ox or a donkey is not is thirsty on a Sabbath day, will you not take it and drag it to the water and you feed it? This is a daughter of Abraham. 18 years she was, what? Tied by Satan. Spirit of infirmity. Who should she not be loosed from her infirmity? See, that is God. See, whenever you look at God as judge, you know what he does? First of all, he cleanses us from our mess. That is God's ordained authority, you know. I, whenever I see this, I have really, really, you know what? It tr- challenges me like anything. I ask myself, whenever I do, do I judge or condemn people or do I cleanse them first? One of the things that I learned is to like to clean dishes. You know why? But that's exactly what God does to all of us, cleanses us. By the washing, every time, and he cleanses us. He doesn't say, you are Vistarako and throw it. No, he doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. He can do it. You understand that? So the first thing, the God ordained leadership, you know what it does? It comes and cleanses you and removes and puts you out, takes you out of the deliverance and leads you to Christ, the deliverer. First thing. Second thing, the judge was supposed to do, all the days of the judge, they were, they were, they didn't follow other gods. One of the things that the judge was supposed to do is to be a restraining influence on the people. You see, God is the one who cleanses us. But he, you know what? After a while, he after he cleanses you, he says, you know what? Now you should be clean. Walk in your deliverance. You see, the judge is one guy who does not only tell you how to get delivered. He also is a guy who tells you how to walk in your... You know why? Because if you are delivered and you are completely empty, seven other demons will come and your state will be worse than the first. And what is the judge supposed to do? He's supposed to be a restraining influence in your life. In other words, you tell you what? This is other gods. Okay, don't worship them. What are the other gods? Baba, don't put any other thing as priority in your life. Other than God. That was the objective of of the judge. Tell you this is not God. Yahweh is God. Your career is not God. Yahweh is God. Your family is not God. Yahweh is your God. If you take, if you put your family first, gone. If you put your children first, gone. If you put your education first, gone. So what was the judge supposed to do? And you know what? He was supposed to be that restraining influence to stop them from getting themselves corrupt. You see, why we call the prodigal son prodigal son? Because you didn't like restraining influence. 
You see, I want to be on my own. Make a made a mess of his life. You see, to keep them from getting corrupt by following other gods. That's the second, second thing. Third thing, the purpose of the judge, I'll, f- I'll show you, it Judges chapter 8 verses 22 and 23. Okay. Sometimes he didn't mean what he said, but he spoke it anyway. Who's this? Gideon. Then the men of Israel said to Gideon, rule over us, both you and your son and your grandson also, for you have delivered us from the hand of the Midianites. You know what Gideon said, verse 23? But Gideon said to them, I will not rule over you, nor shall my son rule over you, the Lord shall. Ah, so the, the third objective of the judge is, you know what? Come under the discipleship of Jesus, to lead you to Christ and to come under his reign. To find your rightful position in the body of Christ. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 25, 26, 27. We looked at it some time back. But anyways, once again, we look at it. <clears throat> no, so next one, 26. 26. Uh, sorry, 30, 27, 27, sorry, 27. Verse 27. Look at what it says. The locusts have no king, but they advance in their... Ah, they know their ranks. You know why? They don't need a king. They know who's their king. And every other locust will know who their God-ordained authority is. And the authority themselves know that this is not, their authority is not theirs. It is God's. You see? So, what is the third objective of the, of the judge? Okay. My son will not rule over you. My grandson will not rule over you. But you know what? The son and the grandson didn't think that, like that. You know what was son's name? Gideon's son's name? Abimelech. Oh, you know what Abimelech means? No, no, no. My father is king. <laughs> that is what it means. You see, <laughs> he may not have meant it, but you know, my father is king. So the three things that the judge was supposed to do, never do to take the place of God in their lives. And that is essentially what every God-ordained authority will do. They will teach you the ways of God, but they will never play God in your life. So three things, what did they reject? They rejected the guy who brought deliverance into their lives. Second, they rejected the restraining influences in their lives. Think about it, no? How many of you children over here like the rules that God has put over you? Honestly. Forget about children. Let's all the young, elder people think about it, no? Like the rules and the regulations. No, shall not. Think about that. If I don't come to church on time, pastor will put... will Ah, that is the reason why you come to church on time. <laughs> You see, think about that. You don't like rules and regulation. Oh, he's too tough. That's what the prodigal son said. No, oh, too tough, this home. But you do not realize that is a place of protection. And wherever there is protection, there is provision. You know why? Because the in the protection and the provision of the Lord, why do we have protection and provision? Because there is presence. Protection, provision because of his presence. You leave the presence of God, doesn't matter how talented you are, boss. You are heading for a disaster. So, think about that. The restraining influences in that. That is what a judge is. So don't have these stereotypes of judge. So what did they reject? God ordained authority and they wanted somebody whom they wanted to appoint to be what? Judge over them like the other nations. But look at the other nations. Look at the other nations. Look at people in your own company, for example. How do you look at them? He's enjoying his life, mama. But I am witness service, Sunday service. 
Fasting and prayer. Too much. Too many restrictions. You should not be so radical. You know, pastor is too much sometimes. I remember sometimes the pastor when we made a first fasting and prayer, he said, those who are not the past fasting and prayer, God will not use you. Finished. That is that that ten, that day tension started in my heart. But you know when people say it's okay, God uses or not uses, who cares? See, understand, judges. Anyways, so let's move on. So then, what had for Samuel? First Samuel chapter eight. Let's read from verse. Eight onwards. According to all, they rejected, did not reject you, they rejected me. According to all the works which they have done since the day that I have brought them up out of the land of, out of Egypt, even to this day, which they have forsaken me, with which they have forsaken me, served other gods, so they are doing to you also. So they are doing exactly what they are actually doing to me. See, that's the reason why, you know what Jesus said, the servant is not greater than his master. If they if they have accepted my word, they will accept your words also. If they have rejected my word, they will reject you also. If they have called me Beelzebub, prince of the devils, Baba, don't be surprised if they call you worse. And if they are not calling you, then you should be surprised. Okay, it's very, very important. Okay, if they are not calling you what they call Jesus, then you should be really surprised. I like That is the reason why I love John Wesley. You know, John Wesley was saying, Lord, I'm for several days I'm not being persecuted. What is going on, Lord? Have my Has my heart become cold towards you? And suddenly he was praying, Lord, I want to know whether I'm in your will or not. No, nobody's calling me names, etc., etc., etc. And he was praying, praying. Suddenly one brick came and hit him on his head. <laughs> and there was one guy shouting from behind the tree and saying, I hate your preaching. And he said, thank you, Jesus. You answered my prayer. You see, this is important. They've rejected what they have done to you. Done, done to me, they're doing to you, Samuel. They're doing to you exactly what they have done to me. You see, one of the things that you have to understand, you know, one man of God gave this fantastic statement about leadership. How do you know that you are ready for leadership? First, nobody understands your vision. Second, you cannot justify yourself. Hmm? First of all, nobody understands your vision. Second, you cannot justify yourself, nor cannot vindicate yourself. Third, things people will make you promises and break them. Then you are ready for leadership. Christian leadership. Welcome to leadership. What will they do? They will not understand your vision. Second thing, you cannot vindicate yourself. You come to leadership position, you will be called every name in the book. Almost. I mean, the the Worse the name, the better you are in the highest of God, okay? So that is the how the, it's like inversely proportional, not directly proportional. It is inversely proportional, okay? And the third thing, what they will do is they'll make you a lot of, yes, pastor, we will do it, pastor, we will be, oh, it's a done deal, pastor. Finished. That's exactly what happened to J- Joseph, no? None of his brothers understood his vision. Second, <laughs> he, nobody tried, he was trying to vindicate, I didn't do it, I didn't do it. He never tried to vindicate himself. Third, Please remember me, no? When uh, you come to chi- come to G- uh, your king and remember, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll remember, I'll remember Joseph. Immediately forgot, nicely. And then God said, these three things I will do in your life consistently and then you are ready to be a leader. So that's exactly what happened to Samuel. Now verse 9. Now therefore, heed their voice. Okay? 
They prayed and they asked for a king. Hear their voice. Listen. But warn them. However, you shall solemnly forewarn them and show them the behavior. The word is behavior over here. The same word as judgment. How the king that you are going to ordain over your life is going to judge. Bemishpat. Mishpat. Shapat. Mishpat. Judgment. Same thing. Of the king who will reign over you. This will be the behavior, the pattern of the guy. Now think about this. Who was Saul replacing? God. Think about the kind of shoes he was asked to be filled. Now think about it. If you reject God as king, what are you asking to fill? God's shoes. Somebody has to come into God's position in your life. Can anybody... Can anybody? What foolishness to think that there is somebody who can replace God. And that's the only person who, I mean, I can keep coming back to that example of Solomon. Some, one guy, Solomon said, God has placed what? Eternity in our hearts and nothing can fill that eternity except the eternal God. And he found, he tried to find meaning in what? Madness? In pleasure? In treasure, in building, in wisdom, in everything. And you know what he said? Ultimately, everything is empty, 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 empty. It's making me feel even more empty. Nothing can satisfy me. You know why? Because I'm asking something else to take the place of God in my life. And nobody has got the capacity to be God in your life. Nobody. You know, a lot of people try to want to, you know, rule other people's life. You, they think they can become God in their lives. You think they can go and take God's shoes in somebody else's life. No way. No way. Get out of the way. There's only one person who can be God. That is Jesus. Alright, let's move on. So Samuel told all the words, verse 10, the words of the Lord to the people and who asked him for a king. And verse 11, this will be the judgment of the king who will reign over you. First thing, he will take your sons. And appoint them for his own chariots, to be his own horsemen. Some will run before his chariots. He will appoint captains over his thousands and captains over his fifties will set to plow his ground, to reap his harvest and some to make his weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. Okay, He will take your daughters to be perfumers, cooks and bakers. No offense to bakers and cooks and perfumers. But he's going to make them. Let's look at that. Anyway, this is, the idea here is, if you remember, uh, what the daughters of Israel did in secret. In Ezekiel. What were they doing? They were making cakes for who? Tammuz. Baking cakes for Tammuz. We'll come to that. And he will take the best of your fields, your vineyards, your olive trees, give them to his servants. He will take tenth of your grain and your rentage. He will give it to his officers and servants. And will take your male servants and your female servants, your finest young men, your donkeys and put them to his work. He will take a tenth of your sheep and you will be servants. And verse 18, he will, and you will cry out on that day because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves. And the Lord will not hear you. On that day. Now this is exactly what happens when you replace God as king. Something else, somebody else will become the king. Either you will become the king or you will make somebody else to be king in your life. And if you or somebody else is the king, this is what is going to happen. You know what? He will take your who? First he will take your sons. 
What does sons represent? Thank you. Genesis chapter 49 verses 1 to 3. Look at what it's Genesis chapter 49 verses 1 to 3. And Jacob called his sons and said, Gather together that I may tell you what shall befall you in the last days. Next verse. Gather together and and hear you sons of Jacob and listen to Israel your father. Reuben, you are my firstborn. My might and the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity and the excellency of my power. My power, my excellency, my strength. You know what you're going to do? You know what? You're going to take your strength and you'll serve your king. You know what will happen if you take away God as king in your life? Your strength will get wasted. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. With all of your might means what? Strength with all of your mind. This is you. See what, what is, what is saying? The best that you've got in your life, your strength will represent, you know what? Your, whatever your, your strengths are. Some people have strengths in, in their mind. Your thinking is a huge strength. Will you surrender that to God? Or will you use it for the world? He will appoint. And, and the second thing, if you look at the entire thing, it says, he will take, 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 take. Five times take is there. In other words, it's like, you know, the leech has two daughters. Give me, give me more. I mean, Solomon in all his wisdom, he can pen one word, no? It's not easy to, to convey a deep thought into one single sentence. You need tremendous amount of wisdom. God gave him that wisdom. And you know what he did with that wisdom, that strength that he had? He messed it up on himself. Your strength. The strongest people here are the young ones. Do you know that? You know, at this age, you have the capacity to do a lot of stuff without getting tired. Do you know that? Which this capacity will not be there after you grow old. But you know what happens? Because you do not give your strength to the Lord, you know what? Most of you are drowsy and sleepy. Eighteen hours a day, twenty. you can study. You can work hard. You can do a lot of things. See, you can, I'll tell you what you can do when you're a kid. I, I, I mean, I, you can play basketball. You can do a lot of parallel stuff and still come first in the class. Sometimes, not always, but God has given you the strength. You have that ability, some of you. I know some of you whom I've tutored very closely, several years back. The kind of strength and the intelligence and the brains that God has given you. But you know something? It's gone for a toss. Strength is gone. You know why? Because you have replaced something else other than God to be king in your life. A lot of things you can do when you're a kid. When you're young, especially in your teenagers and your twenties, you should see all the professors. They run after people who are within that, within between 20 and 30. 20 and 30, they will stand outside your hostel also to employ you into their research lab. I'm telling you, this is, I'm, 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 this is my personal testimony, not my own, my own also, and my own, my colleague. There was one guy who came to my lab, was a very young guy, just graduated from, from, uh, NIT, uh, Kur- not Kurikshetra, from, uh, one of the NITs in, uh, 
in northeast or sorry close to northeast east west of india east of india durgapur nit durgapur okay came to our came to our lab no brilliant guy and then he got an offer he was thinking sir should i continue to be continue in my uh, in your research team or uh, should i go to another place and he was getting a lot of offers in different different places okay my professor wanted to have him you know what he did the next day he went and outside the next day and stood outside his lab his hostel door this fellow was sleeping <laughs> sleeping you will never find professors come into hostels okay professor was waiting for this fellow arun arun and the guy is startled inside and he opens the door and he finds sir what are you doing please work in my lab no this is uh, this is crazy <laughs> james tor you know james tor how many of you know james tor one guy who was in his lab young young guy 25 to 25 years old he wanted to he finished his masters he was contemplating to do something else in some uh, some other uh, company you know he wanted to comp- uh, do uh, get into the what do you say uh, industry and you know james stewart said why this guy has got tremendous potential to be a researcher he went and persuaded husband and wife they were married i will give for your sake i will give a position for your wife also a tremendous amount of potential when you're young you know what happens this is exactly what happens i will take your potential i will scatter it some chariots some horsemen some here some there some there and i'll tell you so many of you have scattered all the potential that god has given you scattered it you're not focused in one particular area you're not focused you're scattered all over the place you're running from pillar to post accomplishing nothing your strength you know why It's fundamentally because you have chosen not to have god as your king and you yourself is your king you wasted all your years i like that song no wept for my wasted years wept for my wasted years and we'll we find that solace in that in that in that statement no the all the years that the locusts have eaten the god will give me back are baba do you want to wait till that time strength is gone he will take your sons and he will give them to others look at what it says in john's gospel chapter 2 verse 14 oh sorry 1 john chapter 2 verse 14 not john's gospel 1 john chapter 2 verse 14 1 john chapter 2 verse 14 1 john chapter 2 verse 14 what does it say i have written to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning i have everybody read that i have written to you because you are and the word of god abides in you and you have overcome the evil one the strength that god has given you when you are young he doesn't say that about the fathers he says about young people well of course he's talking about spiritual uh, young men who are here but understand this is a principle you certain things that you can do only when you are young you can only play and recover when you are young now i'm 40 plus now if i do football ama for one week in the other reason why sports people no the older they get it is difficult for them to recover that is the reason why you don't find federer playing every grand slam nowadays french he will nicely conveniently escape because that is the most grueling of all the grand slams is difficult only rafa can do it okay <laughs> so, That's Rafa. Okay. 
I spoke more about Rafa than Rafa knows. In eternity, he will say, Baba. <laughs> okay. Anyway, think about that. Don't lose the strength of God. Second, he will take your daughters. What does daughter signify? Turn to Genesis chapter 24. And if you have the KJV only, please, please, if you have the KJV, I love to read it in the KJV. I like it. I like it in the KJV. Genesis chapter 24 and verse 13 onwards. Okay? Are you there? Now, this is Eliezer, okay? He's looking for a bride for his Isaac. Behold, I stand here by the well of the water and the daughters of men of the city come out to draw the water. What are the daughters supposed to do? Not become confectioners. They're meant to what? What does water stand for? Your service. Son stands for? Daughter stands for? Service. And you need what? Water. This is water which is the word of God. And this water not only for yours, for me, for everybody. You need to have a, what we call as a servant heart. Your service. You see, turn with me to uh, Romans chapter 6, please. Every, everybody, Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, verse 15 onwards. <clears throat> yeah. What shall we say then? Shall we continue to sin uh, uh, because we are n- not under the law but under the grace? Certainly not. Next verse. Do you not know that whom you s- present yourselves... Slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. Okay, now this is, look at this, look at this, look at how it says, verse 17. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the, that form of, what does doctrine stand for? Word of God. What is water? Word of God. What happened to you? You became people who drank from the water. And you also became a people who fed other people from drinking from the water of the well of God. You became wise by understanding the scriptures. You know, every time you look at the Bible, the word for wisdom is always feminine in the Bible. If you look at the Greek, Sophia. Sophia means what? Wisdom. You know, Sophia, right? Sophia is a very common uh, girl, girl name. And in, in, in Hebrew, it's Hakoma, which essentially means wisdom, which is a, which is again a feminine gender. Wisdom is something which is feminine in the Bible. And he says, daughters, all of us are daughters. Do you draw water for yourself every day of your life? Or are you busy cooking for your family? Just think about that. Draw. Wise woman, what does she, what does she do? She builds her home, talks about service. Look at what it says. Again, let's go on. Genesis chapter 24 verse 13. And then, verse 14, and it came to pass that the damsel to whom I shall say, let down your pitcher, I pray thee, that I may drink, and she shall say, drink, and I will give thy camels also drink, she will be the bride of my Isaac. Heart to pour out for God's people. Second, second, first Samuel chapter 25, first Samuel chapter 25, and verse 13 and B onwards. Let me read that for you. Okay. And David sent and proposed to Abigail to take her as his wife and verse 40. When the servants of David had come to Abigail at Carmel, they spoke to her saying, David sent us to you to ask you to become his wife. 
Next verse. Then she arose, bowed her face to the earth and said, Here is your maid servant, a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. That is a daughter. A daughter who will draw water to wash others' feet. What is it? Feet represents your walk. And everybody in the body of Christ is supposed to be a daughter serving a heart of service to God. First, he affects your what? Strength. Second, it affects your service. Third, it affects your wealth. Let's go back to First Samuel chapter uh, 8 and verse 14. And he will take the best of your fields, your vineyards, your groves and give them to his servants. <laughs> and next one. You will take, and he will take of your grain, your vintage, and give it to his officers and servants. Next. He will take your male servants, your female servants, and your finest of young men, and your donkeys, and put them to his work. So this is exactly what the world says, no? Take your best when you are young, work in the world. Later you can give your life to God. See, my dear, all small children here, youngsters, have this attitude. I, I did not have it when I was young, but I would encourage all of you to have. I would do the best that I can for God. Whatever I'm studying, I'm studying for, let's say, medicine. I will study for medicine so that I will get medicine. I'll just not go and not, not just go and attempt the exam. I will study for anything so that I can become excellent in that. You know why? Because those are attitudes and those disciplines one day God will use. These are disciplines that God has and he says, take the best that you have and do the best that you can, all that you can, not as unto man, but as unto God. Take the best of your life and give it to God. Not to the world. Why do we encourage excellence in everybody's life? We say, you know what? We want to inculcate the spirit of excellence. Be excellent at what is good. Be innocent for of evil. And this is something which all of us have to strive for. You know what? Because that is an attitude which we take. Even where we, wherever God is going to use us. Those are disciplines that we inculcate when we are young. The discipline of reading. The discipline of praying. The reading the word. Praying. The discipline of giving our time to God and the best to God. Not our worst. The best time in my life goes to God. The best of my money. That's the reason why it says in Proverbs chapter 4. You don't have to turn there. Honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all your increase so that your vats will overflow with new wine and your grain will be full of, full of grain. The reason why we don't have is because we have not given the best to our God. It's like, you know, we, it's like our, I told you that example, right? It's, have you seen Kannekaras? Take that ganna, put it in the machine, drink it. Put it in the machine, drink it. I'll give, I'll give you an example. There were two young Christian men. Christian men, okay, young men. Christian men, young men. Who said, you know, they didn't have a job. You, they didn't have a job. They, said they had One guy had an idea. He said, you know what, we'll have summertime now. We will open one Gannekara storeroom, sh- sh- uh, what a shop or, or a table, and we'll get a lot of profit. 
They'll choose a place, get a lot of profit. Said fine. So they invested whatever little money they had left into that machine. And they purchased a lot of ganna. And that is sugarcane. And they, this was a sugarcane shop, sugarcane juice shop. And they started day one. Morning, nine o'clock. Eight o'clock they started. Summer, no? Eight o'clock they started. Passers by coming, looking at them, going. Passers by coming, looking at them, going. Nine over, ten over, eleven over. And one fellow started feeling thirsty. Uh, he said, uh, bro, I'm feeling thirsty. Can we do something? Let's take one ganna and crush the juice and I will drink it. The other guy said, Baba, business is business. You have to pay for that. He said, how much? You know the cost? 10 rupees per glass? He said, okay, fine. I have 10 rupees. Take this 10 rupees. I fellow nicely crushed the juice, gave him a glass. Cut, 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 cut. He drank. He was feeling satisfied now. Waiting for customers. One fellow went, another fellow went, another fellow went. The other guy started feeling thirsty. And he said, hey, bro, bro, I'm getting feeling thirsty. Uh, can I take one gun and drink? He said, business is business. Take, pay the money and take, this, take the cane. He said, okay, fine, I have 10 rupees. Take. Waited. After felt thirsty, by the end of the day, Ganna over, left with how much? 10 rupees. What do they have left with? Dross. That's exactly what God says. If you don't give my your life to me, you'll be left with that pipi in your life. The best. What an amazing example. I thought it was, this was one man of God. Prakash Gantelagar, we gave this example now. What an example. I could just never forget that. I said, that is most believers life. One principle in business, don't, don't feed yourself. Feed others, no? Think about that. The best of your fields, the tenth of your things which belongs to God and God says, you give it to me and you do not know how much I will give you, give you back. If you don't give it and you use it on yourself, ultimately you will get left with that money, ten rupees only in your pocket. So what does this king do? He takes, 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 takes. He takes your sons. He takes your daughters. He takes your male servants. He takes your female servants. He takes the choicest of your young men. He takes your wealth. He takes your everything. What does he give you back? Nothing. But look at what God does. First Samuel chapter 12. Verse 1 and 1 to 5 first. Contrast here. What is God's order in leadership? Judge. Okay, let's see. It's 12 verses 1 to 5. Okay, I'm going to read this. From next time onwards, I'm going to have mine. Okay, don't worry. I think I'll have another thing also. Another technology very soon. Then I will be all wired up. Okay, wirelessly. Okay. Now this. Now Samuel said to all Israel, Indeed, I have heeded your voice in that, in all that you said to me and have made a king over you. Next. And now here is the king walking before you and I am old. I'll tell you something, just because God is never old fashioned. The ancient paths are ancient paths. You know why? Because he's the ancient of days. Thank you very much, Samir. Okay. Ancient paths, ancient paths. 
డోంట్ ట్రై టు మేక్ కొత్త దేవుడు అండి వద్దు లేదు నో 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 దేర్ నో కొత్త దేవుడు ఓకే అండ్ నౌ యువర్ ఇస్ ద కింగ్ వాకింగ్ బిఫోర్ యూ ఐఎమ్ ఓల్డ్ గ్రే హెడెడ్ లుక్ మై సన్స్ ఆర్ బిఫోర్ యూ ఐ హ్యావ్ వాక్ బిఫోర్ యూ ఫ్రమ్ మై చైల్డ్హుడ్ టు దిస్ డే దిస్ ఇస్ ఐఎమ్ గాడ్స్ చాయిస్ అండ్ దిస్ ఇస్ యువర్ చాయిస్ లుక్ అట్ మై చాయిస్ వాట్ డూ ఐ డూ హియర్ ఐఎమ్ విట్నెస్ అగేన్స్ట్ మీ బిఫోర్ ద లార్డ్ అండ్ బిఫోర్ ఇస్ అనాయింటెడ్ హ్యావ్ ఐ టేకెన్ హ్యావ్ ఐ టేకెన్ యూ డాక్ హ్యావ్ ఐ whom i have pressed and whose hands i have received a bribe with which you which you blind my hands i will restore to you show me and you know what they said and they said you have not cheated us or oppressed us nor have taken anything from any man's hand and he said to them the lord is witness against you and is anointed is witness this day that you have not found anything in my hand you know what did i take i only gave 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 what did that what did that king took take he took your sons and he made them captains over hundreds thousands and captains over 50s to do what to take more what does god do ephesians chapter 4 verse 7 to 13 i love this passage one of my favorite passages in the bible and but to each one of us grace was क्या बात है ग्रेस इज फ्री ग्रेस वॉज ग्रिवन अकॉर्डिंग टू द मेजर ऑफ क्राइस्ट गिफ्ट गिफ्ट इज हमनी फी पेड यू फॉर योर गिफ्ट नो नो बड़ी नो एवरीबडी रिसीव डेट फ्री देर फॉर ही सेज वेन ही एसेंडेड ऑन हाई ही लेड captivity captive दैट इज हाउ द जज डज ही रिलीजेस यू फ्रॉम कैप्टिविटी एंड वॉट इज यू डू ही गेव गिफ्ट टू मैन एंड लुक एट वॉट इज नेक्स्ट नाउ ही हु डिसेंडेड it also means next verse 9 okay verse 9 no verse 11 uh, 10 onwards he who descended okay verse 11 sorry verse 11 and he himself ah kya baat hai he gave some to be apostles he gave some to be he gave some to be evangelist he gave some to be he gave some to be what am i what is pastor james a gift that god gave so that we can give so that you can give others look at what it says for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry not to feed himself for the edifying of the body of christ till we all come to the unity of the faith out of the knowledge of the son what does it mean i want to make you complete and perfect in christ that is the whole purpose of the ministry and you know what pastors and teachers and evangelists and apostles are gifts of god to the church so that when they give themselves that is the reason why you know what paul says i have not desired anybody silver and gold i have given you the complete gospel the good bad and the ugly nobody's blood is on my hands everything from house to house from every place with tears i preached to you why my whole purpose was to make you complete to bring you to what we call as full obedience to bring you to what what full obedience see i'll tell you something completion is very important what is slothfulness what is slothfulness i'll show you turn to proverbs chapter 13 please i you know my my children will say dad not again but it's okay proverbs chapter 12 not 13 proverbs chapter 12 verse 27 what a verse look at this says the slothful man or the lazy man okay the lazy man does not roast what he took in hunting 
But diligence is man's precious. I'll tell you what I'll tell you. No, think about it. You've hunted for a deer. Does it take a lot of hard work? Oh yeah. Does it take a lot of skill? Who was a mighty hunter before God? Nimrod. And who was a very, very nice, famous hunter other than Nimrod? He's a very, very talented, lot of hard work. They do a lot of hard work. They bring the chicken home. And they leave it like that. They do not want to cook it. You know something? That is what we call as half done job. No completion in their life. No completion, no perfection. They will not finish what they have started. And whenever you see people no, hopping from one place to another, one place to another, no con- consistency in their life, you'll know. This fellow has one, one, one attitude. He will never complete what he started. Because most of the times what he started is not what God wanted. What are they doing? A lazy man hunts the game but never completes the game. He never roasts it. But what is the equipping of, what are we doing over here? We are all encouraging. Come on, work hard in the world. Come to perfection. Whatever level you are in and strive for perfection in that level. You don't have to strive for PhD when you are in 10th grade. No, you don't have to. And God will not even ask you that. For all the young children, only one thing, study. Isn't it? To show yourself approved unto God. So that you will not be ashamed when you get your marks. Understand that. Simple. A simple equation. Oh, I will go for full-time ministry for God. For God says, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Start with a little. That's what one man of God said, no? In, in the, in, in corporate, you, your, your ascent is an incline. You keep on inclining one, one step to another step, one another step, another step, another step, and finally you reach the pinnacle. In God's kingdom, faithful and little, faithful and little, faithful and little, faithful and little, rule over many. Ruler over? Faithful and little, faithful and little, faithful and little, faithful and little, rule over. Let me give you an example. Turn to Luke's Gospel, chapter 19. <coughs> Luke's Gospel chapter 19. Luke's Gospel chapter 19 and verse from verse 9. nine uh, sorry. Uh, just a minute please. Uh, oh, sorry. oh yeah. Chapter 19 and verse 11 onwards. Now look at this. Now as they heard these things, he spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem and because they thought that the kingdom of God would appear Immediately. Then next word, next verse. Therefore he said, a certain nobleman went to a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and return. Okay. Now look at this carefully. How is this connected to today's, today's sermon? So he called ten of his servants, delivered to them ten miners and said to them, occupy till I come. Okay. Like pastor was telling today, all the time, he was occupied till I come. Next verse. But his citizens, hated him, sent a delegation after him saying, we will not have this fellow to be king over our lives. Hmm. But no, the message is not for them. No, the message is for whom? Us, the servants. Look at what it says. And so it was when he returned having received the kingdom, ultimately every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. But what will God say? How were you really faithful in what God have started in your life? Look at where it says. Then he commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called that he might know how much every man had gained by training. Trading. Ten people, ten minus, each one got 
ఈ వన్ గాడ్ వన్ సింపుల్ ఫుల్ మార్క్స్ నీకు ఓకే దెన్ దెన్ కేమ్ ద ఫస్ట్ సేయింగ్ మాస్టర్ యువర్ మైనా హ్యాస్ హర్న్డ్ టెన్ మైనాస్ because you are faithful over a little have authority over densities next second came saying master your mina has earned five manas likewise he said to them you also be over five he didn't say good and faithful no endukante andarki equal ichadu kada everybody has been given equal opportunities and what is equal for all of us time kya baat hai so who is the ruler of your time baba are you multiplying time or are you ah there is a very interesting uh, talk on youtube called time multiplication you listen to it get given by a christian a businessman okay anyways then another came saying master he is your mina which i have kept uh, which i put away in my handkerchief next verse oh yeah for i feared because you are an austere man austerity ante titan built okay you collect what you did not deposit you reap what you did not sow and he said out of your own mouth i will judge you you wicked servant you knew that i was an austere man collecting what i did not deposit reaping what i did not sow and then did you not put my money in the bank that at my coming i might have collected it with interest and then what happened he said take those and give it to him which had 10 minus but he but they said the master he has 10 minus for i say to you that to everyone who has will be given from him who does not have even that which he has will be taken away from him but bring here those enemies of mine who did not want me to okay no those followers will be slain but what about us servants we said lord you are rocking we are not like those lord who did not want them to be king how are we using our time is a question god is the one who gives are you using the gifts that god has given you so that he can give back to him when he comes back let's come back to first samuel chapter 8 verse 18 was 17 actually or 17 first you will be his servants and then was 18 and you will cry out in that day because of your king whom you have appointed and say the lord and 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 chosen for yourselves and the lord will not hear you on that day and what did they say nevertheless the people refused to obey the lord will obey the voice of samuel and they said no but have a king over us and then that we may also be like the other nations and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles verse 21 samuel heard the words of the people and he repeated them in the hearing of the lord i like that so the lord said to samuel heed to the voice and make them a king and samuel said to the men of the city every man to his city so that today tonight everybody will go back to your homes to your city will you have him king over your lives or will you serve yourself whom will you serve today choose choose this day whom will you serve whom will you serve god's judge or your king who's your choice god's judge 
or your king. Let's pray. That's the title of today's message. God's judge or your king. Father, we just pray, Father. So many lessons that you teach us, even as we enter into this period of what the church calls Lent. But we do not want to forget what you gave us. For God so loved the world that he gave. The greatest gift. And Lord, we give you because you first gave us. We love you because we, you first loved us. And you gave and you gave and you gave and you gave and you gave. You never took. You only claim what is rightfully yours, O oh Lord. And we owe you, O oh Lord. We are your debtors because of how much you loved us. Father, this evening, O oh Lord, we want you to be our king. We want God's judge and not our king. Open our eyes. Open our eyes to understand and see our own hearts this evening. And continue to work your word through into our lives. We thank you. We praise you. For in Jesus' name, Amen.